Welcome to the Littler International Employment Law Podcast Series. Conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business. Hello, welcome to our series of podcasts, Doing Business in the Americas, Florida as the Gateway to the Americas. Today we have another great guest, Rodrigo Tajonar Basave. Rodrigo is the Chief People Officer of Boston Globe Media Partners. And he's joining us to talk about how the organizations are dealing with the effects of the pandemic in the labor place and trying to offer some recommendations and how to solve the issues that we're facing right now. So, Rodrigo, welcome to our series and thank you for your time. As we discussed before in preparing for the podcast, uh, the pandemic has created an enormous impact in our communities and in our organizations. Could you please share with us your point of view? What do you think the effects of COVID has left in our organization and how we should operate, especially with the return to work issues? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me, uh, Juan Carlos and Tina. Appreciate that. So related to COVID, definitely, Juan Carlos, I think there are many uh, important impacts that COVID has left in our organizations. But uh, let me focus in one which is uh, having, encouraging, or asking employees to return to the office. I remember that when I joined the Globe in June of 2022, we still haven't returned in full to the office at the time. The company had made a few attempts to return, but due to different circumstances, it wasn't accomplished yet. An employee asked me about my thoughts about returning to the office, And in kind of a complaint, I remember that person challenged me and asked me, why should we return to the office? I remember telling that person at the time that, well, before COVID, we were working from office, few companies had the flexible working policy in place, and very few allowed or encouraged employees to work from home. Our previous normal was working from the office. But once COVID hit, we didn't have a choice. The offices needed to be closed. Everyone needed to start working from home. That was a big impact and change for everyone. Then for better or worse, we had to adjust to work from home and got the best of it. After a little bit over two years, we are asking now employees to come back to the office. And that's another required change, which creates stress. So I told the employee, we experienced an immediate forced change And now companies are experiencing an encouraging change. And as we did in the past, we need your help to make this positively work. I acknowledge to the employee that this was a two-way street. The company needs to do things differently, but employees need to help as well. So Juan Carlos, long story short, yes, COVID. Using COVID as a time frame, not necessarily as a disease in this context, has impacted organizations a lot. Organizations and managers need to invest the time to understand employees individually versus collectively. And I would add an important topic about how it is impacting mental health. I would say that now more than ever, there's not a one size fits all, and we need to be creative and flexible. Important for me to address that discipline, guidelines, and policies are also required. There has to be a a balance. I'd like to point out also, uh, Juan Carlos, I'm remembering that when an employee asked me about the returning to the office, 
Well, this is and will be an important topic to discuss, and I firmly believe that interacting face-to-face with the employees is critical, but do also believe that companies need to be flexible. So the way that it has impacted the organization, I would say is too broad, and I would be more than happy to continue talking about these all day, but hopefully these answers are Carlos. Yes, and thank you for for mentioning that. I'm interested about the mental health. Our office is literally we are have we are you know working on trying to implement different policies in order to help people coming back to work, and also how we can help uh, employees, attorneys, and non-attorneys to do everything we can to adapt to this new change, as you said. So please elaborate a little bit more. Tell us how you plan to treat. Uh, evaluate individualities versus collectively approach and all of that that you mentioned before. Very interesting about your point of view. Yeah, sure. So if you don't mind, I would like to focus more around the individuality, but focusing these on the mental health approach. Would that be okay with you? Yes, please. Perfect. Wonderful. So um, I have to be very humble and honest. I'm not a certified mental health physician nor a psychiatrist, but I am more than happy to share my personal experience. So Why don't we start defining what I understand from mental health? So it's basically includes emotional or psychological and social well-being. It affects how we think, how we feel, how we act. It also helps uh, to determine how we handle stress, how we relate to others and make healthy choices. So having said that, let me focus on COVID as an example. So during COVID, you needed to accommodate a space at your home or from the place that you were working or were going to work from, because some people decided to move with relatives or others, for example. That was a critical change that required our immediate adjustment, and depending on each person, could be extremely stressful. So going to my original description of mental health, this one is related to how we manage stress. Unfortunately, we had close contacts or relatives who died due to COVID. Going back to the definition, this is related of how do we think, feel, and act, for example. Some employees had challenges about kids doing homeschool, not being able to get to the groceries or having medical supplies on time, among others. This is related of how do you relate to others and stress again. So we might be thinking that COVID is behind, but there are employees who might already be importantly affected by these. And we need to be mindful of individualities versus demanding everyone to adjust to a one-size-fits-all. This is what I was referring about, focusing on individualities versus collectivity processes in practice. The question here, I would say, and challenge ourselves and our organization is, what are we doing? Let's start with your family, your community, your organizations, to help employees adjust better simpler, faster, while focusing on their well-being and sustaining uh, your company's productivity, for example. This is my initial answer for that topic. And can you share some programs, recommendations? What are the companies that you you know are doing, what your company is doing, if you can share uh, on how to implement uh, or, or other people that are listening to this podcast can use or implement in their organizations? Sure. So once again, perhaps I'm going to be repeating these a lot, but uh, there's not a one-size-fits-all, but I'm more than happy to share some things that can work. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in the order that I'm going to share them, but perhaps, um, and not limited to, but here it goes. So um, just thinking that 
An important part is training managers to be good managers, having the ability to connect with their employees, to define goals, to provide clear and objective feedback, to clarify and align expectations, et cetera. It's important. I've heard, I mean, companies focusing a lot of that, but are managers doing that effectively? I'm sure that we all as employees work for a reason. Compensation definitely is an important part, but also we want to wake up energized to go to work, to work for a good company, but manager investment is critical and required. Another one I would say what we call EAP or employee assistance programs, which are very important. This program helps employees and families to have professional help when needed. I remember when I was working in Mexico with a previous employer, I was against using these services. My initial thought and mistaken reaction was, well, I'm not crazy. Why should I use it? But I have to be very honest and humble. I was completely wrong. We all need someone to talk to, to vent with, that could help us manage our mental health efficiently. We all need help, right? That's one. The other one is, I would say, understand what our employees experiencing. Perhaps we need to provide in-house assistance while bringing professional support to our offices. So I, I think in this one, creativity and open mind is important. From an individual perspective, and I'm sure that we've all heard this constantly, but uh, I, I'm an example for that. And as silly as it may sound, doing exercise, eating healthy. I mean, I had many healthy problems due to the lack of exercise and thinking that the stress would fade because of time. I mean, I was wrong. But installing programs within the company that could help employees uh, do more exercise or have a better uh, workload. This helps a lot. The other one related to going back to the office, I would say that meeting with people face-to-face versus working 100% remote, I would say helps a lot. As I've shared, returning to the office definitely creates stress, right? But I strongly believe that face-to-face collaboration improves productivity and also helps with mental health. I mean, once again, one size doesn't fit all, but I would encourage ourselves and managers to move away from the old school model but to adjust and understand their employees differently. So, Juan Carlos, the list could go on and on all afternoon. I'm more than happy to share more, but uh, kind of a low-hanging fruit ideas, this might be. Correct. And talking about uh, trying to get away from the old school recipes, what do you think about this uh, very popular now in UK, at least of four days, four days in UK that is, I understand, very successful or I don't know how your organization is um, working. The return to work priorities is three days per week, is two days per week, one hybrid or not. If you can share your ideas about first the four day work week and how many days in return to work in your organization. Well, I would answer in two different ways. From an individual perspective, I'm 100% pro of working four days a week. So I love that. Okay. But on the other end, I, I have to be very objective that I would say that it depends on the culture of the country, the culture of the company as well. And having said that is what I've heard as well is in the, in the UK, it's working because uh, employees really focus on productivity or what they are required to do. There's uh, effectiveness in what they are doing. They follow up in terms of KPI. So there's a sense of trust, but there's also a clarity around expectations that managers follow up effectively. And at the end, it's all around performance. And you don't need to be 
locked in the whole day to show to your manager that you are productive. As long as you have clear goals, guidelines, et cetera, I would say that's efficient. I really hope that all the countries eventually create a sense of culture in terms of trust, but also in terms of productivity and measures that clarify how are you measuring the effectiveness of your employees versus really having a time clock of how many hours or seconds or minutes they are working. Now to your other question, we currently are in a two, three model. What does that mean? Mondays and Fridays from home, Tuesdays to Thursdays from the office. And uh, I recently had an opportunity to share these with uh, the greater Massachusetts area where we are located and and receive more uh, additional insights from peers. And I would say most of the companies are having a hybrid model, which I think is required from a flexible perspective. Few companies are 100% remote because of the nature of their business, or perhaps they they don't have a headquarter where they can actually ask their employees to meet. And very few, I would say, that are forcing and challenging 100% employees to come to the office. I think that's that's challenging, and and you have a risk of uh, of losing people, definitely. Rodrigo, you have a unique perspective because you are uh, from Mexico. You worked in Mexico in very high level positions in a very very relevant organizations, but you also work in, uh, in in the states in the management high level positions in high. Uh, sophisticated companies. So if you can share with the audience, how do you see the effects of the pandemic in the Americas, below the United States and in the US? And try to compare how do you see from the labor perspective, human resources perspective, how you see things coming in, in, in Latin America and how you think that you see things coming in the US? of the effects of the pandemic, specifically in return to work and productivity? So perhaps my answer will be focused more on around the culture of the countries. Okay. And having said that is, let me start by the medical supplies. So the U.S., for example, when COVID started, the country had a very hard, positive, uh, driven strategy to have as many people vaccinated as soon as possible. If I use that example in um, Latin America, I mean, Mexico to the South, that unfortunately was not as effective as in the U.S. for most of the countries. So having said that, there has been a a sense of lack of trust of, of people coming back to the office after COVID because, I mean, you can get COVID, you were not vaccinated, or people using that as an excuse. I have to be very honest. So that, that'll be my first driver. Once again, in terms of community and culture, it has, a, it has a, I mean, a different impact that we need to understand. Now, if you talk about very localized companies or you talk about globalized companies where you have headquarters in Latin America and you have offices in the Americas or in the U.S. and Canada, you have offices in Latin America, I would say that my perspective and perception is that companies have been trying to adjust and adapt to the local needs. But on the other end, I've seen also that there has been a driver decision of having one size of it all in terms of policies versus understanding individualities. So from my peers and friends in Latin America, I've seen and I've read also that uh, from an attrition perspective has been a little bit higher because of not really understanding the specifics. And COVID has created an impact and a change for us. In the U.S., in my experience within the media uh, or within the business that I'm I'm in, that it's news and media, 
I would say that it's more, well, it's different once again, because of how strong the country has specified guidelines. And I think the companies are, I mean, better driven in terms of policies, once again, because of the culture. Does that answer? Completely. Thank you very much. I think we are out of time. I would love to have you back but now in Spanish in a new podcast. Thank you again, Rodrigo, for sharing with us your thoughts on the topic. It is indeed a very complicated matter that HR people has to deal with. In, and there is no pre-existing flight plan, right? It's a very challenging new thing to take care. Thanks. Thanks again for, for your time. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to our podcast series. More to come. Please stay tuned. Bye. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.